Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is where the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and create created their own sound investments. Before I introduce today's guests, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by the In Rhythm Multifamily Group's Facebook group. If you're looking to connect with like-minded individuals, have a safe space to learn about multifamily real estate investing, Go to Facebook, search up In Rhythm Multifamily Group or InRhythmMultifamily.com and join the community. I post some of the lessons that I've learned, questions that I've had, meetups and conversations that I've had while I'm trying to dive into this industry more. So take action, get vulnerable, join the group. I'll see you all there. And now for today's guest, he is coming all the way from New York. He is an attorney who is experienced in all aspects of civil litigation he represented the South Korean foreign syndicated private equity funds that were purchasing luxury condominium apartments in New York City. He's a managing partner of Syndicro in Partners Capital, member of the Jake and Gino Community Wheelbarrow Profits Academy and the Make It Happen Mastermind. He also co-hosts the Multifamily Investors Network Meetup in New York and co-hosts the Kansas City Multifamily and More Meetup. He's a father of two beautiful girls. Please give a warm welcome to Yosef, your bro, Sif Lee. <laughs> Hi, Taylor. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Very excited. You know, I'm, I'm very excited to, to have you here and, and, and really learn about you and just get and, and download just your entire story just because I feel like you've had you, sort of like a your, your hand in a lot of different areas within the real estate industry. And so um, I'm, yeah, I'm ready to get started. So, I mean, first, first tell me a little bit more uh, about yourself. I know I went through a little bit of in your bio, but I'd love to hear more from you. Sure. Um, so shortly I'm, I'm South Korean immigrant. Um, it's just, as you introduced busy W2 professionals, lawyer, um, aspiring to achieve freedom of time um, and control of life through financial freedom, through multifamily investing. Um, I became an attorney with, uh, with this dream of being like cool, wealthy professional, right? Back in 2013, I took New York and New Jersey bar, passed and became an attorney. Um, and I became, during the law school, I became father of two girls. And I thought um, I'll be financially uh, freedom right after I became an attorney, which is not the reality. Right. So fast forward to 2018, um, I was still hustling, working hours and hours, but was nowhere close to rich or wealthy by no means. Um, you know, I made some monies, but we spend the money, uh, living expenses and paying the bills, um, et cetera. Um, I still love my job, but um, but it's just that each year I worked harder and harder just to make my ends meet with only a few hours of week to truly spend my time with my family and daughters. And, you know, at one point I got fed up with the reality. Um, one day I, I grabbed the book. Uh, it's called Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad and Poor Dad. Nice. And realizing, yes, it's, it's like everyone's Bible, right? 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like it's almost like the barrier to entry in, uh, I know, like right? going into this industry. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, I realized, okay, this is like a hamster wheel. It's like red race as a W2 employee, regardless how much money you make. And I realized the reality and I'm like, damn, I, I think I should just get out of this red race by either being a business owner or by being an investors. That's where I um, started uh, just looking into some investment vehicles. And at the, at the time around 2018, I was just trying to, I was just trying different vehicles. Like I tried stock, mutual bonds, some REITs. And at one point um, around 2019, I finally landed on multifamily apartment investing um, after vetting some other vehicles. And, uh, you know, the multifamily investing just came to me as like with so many benefits that I thought there would be no brainer not to do it. Hmm. That's how I got into multifamily. Oh, yeah. It sounds like you went through a, a little bit of a, a journey on, on to finding multifamily. And I, what, what's something that really stood out to me, too, is that because um, in my mind, the impression when, when I hear a lawyer or an attorney was like, oh, you know, they're set for life. They're, they're making all this money. Um, but uh, it, it's really interesting to know that you still wanted, that you knew that that wasn't the case and that that wasn't reality. Right. And so I was wondering if we could like really just like dive into that story. Like what, was there a certain moment that made you realize, realize that? So um, just like I said, yes, as an attorney, you know, some of the attorneys think they're, they're different. They make a lot of money. But again, to me, it looked just like we're still active income, right? Meaning if something happens to us mm-hmm. and let's say um, I lose my eyesight or I lose my legs by car accident. I mean, I'm kind of being extreme, but and then what happens? Like if we do not perform, our income stream is just cut off, right? Right. I have witnessed uh, a friend of mine uh, who passed away at early age, like I think it was like early 40s. Uh, he was an attorney. Um, and I, I saw his family suffers because no one could take care of that job because no one's attorney in, fam- in his family. Wow. Um, so I, I saw that and told myself, I think maybe I should create some type of income stream where no matter what my kids do or no matter what they want to do, they could constantly get provided with that income, right? Mm. So that's when I first uh, started thinking about um, creating passive income stream. So that was probably the moment that I seriously thought about passive income as opposed to active income. No, that's a, yeah, thank you for sharing. That's a beautiful story. And, and sorry to hear about your friend, um, but I can see that it's, it's very impactful and it can definitely be um, life-changing. And so, you know, you, you started to see this passive income and then you said you went more towards like stocks, mutual bonds and REITs, and then finally you found yourself uh, with multifamily. It, with the, the stocks and, and mutual bonds and the REITs, uh, did you like those? Um, cause I know those are pretty common, especially now, mm-hmm. like what was your experience with those investments? Yeah. Um, well, I, I didn't really do, uh, a, a serious amount of money with the stocks and all that, but it was more of experimental and, mm-hmm. you know, don't get me wrong. I, I liked it. Right. Um, it 
got me some money. Um, but again, uh, when I looked into the multifamily, the benefits, well, if I touch a little bit upon it, let's say, for example, uh, the control side, right. the markets, stocks and bonds, and this, these are all controlled by the market. I have no control upon it. Hmm. But the multifamily, uh, that over five units, um, as you might already know, you can actually control the valuation of the property by, uh, by uh, raising the net operating income mm-hmm. and by repositioning the property in a better management. And that, I, I was sold for that. It's like, I really like the concept of, huh, you actually able to ma- uh, uh, control the valuation of the property, not the market. So that's, that's one part that I really liked about multifamily. Yeah, Nick, and it, I, I agree too, just because uh, there definitely is a lack of control uh, when it comes to you know, these stocks, REITs, uh, mutual, mutual funds, hedge funds. Um, and with, with multifamily, it, it definitely seems like you can control your asset. And to dive more into that, because you mentioned that by controlling the asset and improving your net operating income, um, can we dive into that a little bit more and how that works? Because I know that when, when you cross from single family over to multifamily, the way that they're uh, valued is completely different, right? So, um, yeah, so, so uh, in, in terms of like adding value, what do, you, what do you mean by adding value or increasing the net operating income? Okay, so, well, a little bit of background of one uh, single family or duplexes or smaller multifamily below Mm -hmm. five units, the way they get valuated is truly based upon market. It's like my, my single family house will be valuated as similar as to the single family that was sold right next to mine or in Mm -hmm. that neighborhood. Right. That's the market. Right. But if, but if let's say in the same town, the same neighborhood, there's a multifamily over five units. Let's say there's 20 unit apartment there. Mm-hmm. This multifamily apartment is evaluated completely differently um, because now it depends on how much money uh, the property generates. That's what the base, base that, that's what the basis of the valuation of the property. So if I go a little further, let's say, um, there's a, there's a formula to create, uh, to calculate the valuation of the property as called mm-hmm. the valuation equals the NOI divided by the cap rate. Mm-hmm. NOI is net operating income. Simply it's, you know, the rental income, um, gross rental income uh, minus any expenses uh, from the property, management expenses and all that insurance and taxes, then whatever they're left over, we call it net operating income, right? That right. income, if you divide that income by cap rate, cap rate is each, each uh, neighborhood or county or country, uh, the states, they have their own cap rates. That's uh, actually the valuation of the property. Like, let's say if you buy this property uh, with full cash, how much uh, return on investment you can get, then that's basically what the cap rate is. And it's just, it's just uh, like a measurement that you, you that could use to uh, just to uh, test like what kind of property that is. If as if cap rate is high, that means you have a high return on investment. Right. But that could also indicate that the property is probably 
not A class or B class, but more of C or D class uh, and C or D neighborhood, mm-hmm. not luxury apartment, maybe debt maintenance. That's why people are willing to pay uh, less uh, to buy that property, right? So return right. is higher. Mm-hmm. But if you look at like higher cap rates, like four, 5% or 3%, that shows the return on investment is very low, but it could also indicate that the property is very stabilized and safe and A type or B plus type um, where, uh, you know, people are, people have to pay higher money to buy. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a cap rate. So if you use that, the cap rate and divided uh, the NOI by the cap rate, that's when you get the valuation of the property. Mm-hmm. So bottom line is if you rate, if you're able to raise the net operating income, mm-hmm. you could raise the valuation of the property. That's as uh, simple as it is. Got it. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds very, very simple, you know, and then, um, so, so you learned this, right. And, you know, you realized you wanted to take control and, and dive more into multifamily then. So what was that next step for you? So um, I just closed one deal in Kansas um, as forward for unit apartment. That was my first deal. And Congrats. that's awesome. Another, thank you. <laughs> I have uh, another 60 unit apartment on the contract with my team. Um, that's another, another property in Kansas. And we, uh, it's likely to be closed probably next year. Nice. So it, if we close next month, I'm going to be having about 100 unit under the management uh, within the, the, the first year that I seriously started multifamily investing. So from this point on, my, my goal is just keep acquiring more units and learn and, uh, from experienced operators, my partners, and just keep acquiring and helping out other people to achieve the same um, income stream, passive income stream, and you know, just, just keep going and has acquiring as much income stream as possible in terms of right. passive income. In terms of passive income, right. So, uh, you know, that brings me to an, my next question then is, you know, I mean, these are, you're, you're adding a, a lot of units, you know, by, by the end of next year. And that's, uh, that's very impressive. And so one of the questions that came up for me uh, and especially when I was first starting out in this is like, oh, this game is only played for people that have a lot of money, right? Like, oh, if I had this much money, like, oh, I'd for sure be doing this, right? Like, do you see that as being true? Like, do you think that even people without a lot of money can still get into this game? And I, yes, and I certainly think so. Um, that was my limiting belief as well in the beginning. Um, maybe I should have a lot of money. Um, or maybe I should start my own backyard, uh, things like that. But after joining the game, I see that this is not a single person game. This is team sports. Mm-hmm. And within the team, um, not everyone has a lot of money, right? So um, having money could help you to start fast and um, it will put you in a good position. So if you just talk about having money and not having money, Let's say if you have a lot of money, yes, you can probably put that money into a limited partner side and let them let the money work for you. Right. But if you want to become an active investor, 
Um, the easy way to get into will be if you have money will be being a key principal of, of a deal because the sponsor group for syndications, they always looking for someone who could match their balance sheet, right? Someone who has high net worth. So what they do is they will just um, sort of guarantee the loan with high net balance sheet. And then they will get the GP portion uh, from the sponsorship group. Right. That could be one easy way if you have high net balance. If you don't have any money, um, I, I think there are two ways to get into the deal without having money. Um, one way is you can find a good deal. You can start talking to the brokers, uh, show them you're serious, you're not tire kickers, and get to know them. At one point, the broker will send you a deal and you underwrite the deal. If it's a good deal, bring that to an experienced investors. I mean, uh, the general partner groups. And if they like the deal, well, then they would ask you, what do you want? Like, do you want an, uh, like a finder's fee of two or 3% of the deal? Um, I think you could say, no, I don't, want the, uh, I don't want that finder's fee, but let me be in your deal. Can I have like maybe a little tiny portion of your GP share? Okay. I want to learn with you guys. So that could be one way. Another way will be helping out the capital raise. If you don't have... you. If you don't have money, but if you happen to know other people who has money, maybe you can talk to the sponsorship group and ask them, hey, I know a lot of high net worth individuals. I don't have money, but what if I raise money for maybe half a million? Would you like to have me in your team? And can I share some of your GP share? Hmm. I, I think if you can do that, you can certainly get into the game that way. And so with, uh, in particular to your story then, and in getting this first deal, which is the path that, that you went for in, in terms of adding value to, to this team? So uh, in, in my case, my biggest niche, I'll say was my legal training. Your so, legal training. It, right. So even though I, I wasn't a real estate attorney, um, the, all the legal things I can help to review for bringing to our attorney and you know if there are any issues we can spot and we can resolve ourselves first mm -hmm. and you know i was able to draft a certain simple legal documents if needed i can review our service vendor contracts together i could i could review it and explain that in an easy way to for the team to understand um so so this type of legal experience uh was one of my niche and i was able to add value with that so i had to you know Reading the PPM, 50 pages, six page PPM was my job. <laughs> the fun stuff. <laughs> fun stuff, fun stuff, right? Right. Um, yeah, so that, that I will say was my niche. And uh, also I had, uh, you know, some savings and I was able to contribute some. Okay. So, so that was, so, so on the legal side, that's where you added the value. Now I want to even take a step back even further then is how did you even find these partners in the first place? All right, so I met all my partners um, through mentorship group, Jake and okay. Gina, all right? Um, I question, was, is, is the mentorship group necessary to be successful in multifamily investing? Uh, I do not believe so, but did it actually expedite my game and abandon the learning curve? Absolutely. So I always recommend to join the mentorship group and I was able to find these amazing partners. First of all, you know, these group of people are really filtered, I will say, because they joined, they joined a mastermind group or mentorship group. 
that shows me that they're committed. Hmm. They paid a chunk of money to join that group. Um, and I, I do see that as an investment to their, to their career. A lot of people see it as a cost. And I have, I have met a lot of people who thought that it was a cost. And I talked to them and I realized we, have, we share a different philosophy. And I, I can't be a partner with them because I want my partners to be on the same page, our interests aligned, and their work ethics and uh, life philosophies and everything. So when I joined Jake and Gino Group, that was the first thing I did, trying to look for a boots on the ground partner because I will be out of state investors. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I looked at a partner was in the beginning, um, I tried to find the partners, and then I asked them questions like, what do you want? But later soon realized that's not the right way to find the partners. So I changed and I started to reflect myself and then study myself as to what value I can add to the table. Mm. And then I presented myself instead of look, going chasing after potential partners. And then I, I, told people, this is me, this is what I can do, this is the value I can bring. I need a, such and such a type of partners. If anybody needs me, let's talk. I wanna, I wanna uh, have a talk about potential partners in the future. And uh, many people contacted me, we uh, had a talk, and finally I was able to you know, be connected with uh, great people. And that's how the partnership started. Yeah, with, within the community of, of Jake and Gino, right? Yes. Got it. And, you know, I want to even dive even further back. And, and so, because I know there are a lot of mentorship programs out there, but why was, um, what, what really drew you to, to Jake and Gino versus like, let's say the other ones? Um, I, but it's, it's very simple uh, to me. So I looked into different groups, right? Um, like Joe Fellas, I, I looked into, I think, Back then, Green Cardone, Vinny Chopra. Um, simply, it's just Jake and Gino's story that resonated the most. And I felt like it was relatable. They were from New York. You know, they, they started from like a pizza guy and drug salesperson. Mm-hmm. And they moved, out of con- they moved out of state to build their empire and finally made it happen. Yeah, and that yeah. story was just, you know, I just, I thought it was just resonating. Yeah. No, that's a, that's, it, it is, it's quite an impressive story and I've yet to, and I'm looking forward to it's hopefully meeting them someday and eventually getting them on this podcast. So, so fingers crossed too, fingers crossed too. Great guys. Great yeah. Guys. Yeah. Great guys from, from what I hear. And, and honestly, all the Jake and Gina students that I've been networking with as well has just been phenomenal and extremely supportive. And that, it, it's just like in a community I've never really felt, you know, before. Right, you just right. you just said that it's it's a community. It's like I feel like we are like more family oriented type of community. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is just like givers, and they want to help out. Um, they don't really think about anything in return. They just purely they they just they're just givers, and that's the atmosphere of the entire community. Um, so whoever joins, like they feel like they're welcomed and. The, the connection and networking is organically happening in there. And just everyone is just super nice. Yeah, I love yeah. this group. Yeah. 
Now, when you were when you were joining this group, because I know sometimes I, I get a little uh, I'm not gonna lie, I'm mean, gonna get a little anxious because I'm like, oh damn man, everybody's a lot older than me, uh, and everyone seems to have a lot more money than me. Like, was there ever a time where you felt um, vulnerable or or uh, like em- embarrassed? Like, what was that experience? Just kind of like jumping into that community first. Well, well, t- taking a little. Um, before that period, I, I had a moment where I thought uh, it's wrong to call myself real estate investor when I don't have any units under my belt, <laughs> right? I don't know if you felt the same way, but that's for the feeling that I had. Like, how can I call myself like real estate investor when I don't have anything under my belt? And uh, some guy I met from, well, I didn't meet him, but I, I just had this concern somewhere and I posted it and some guy commented and saying, look, it's okay not to have any unit under your belt. It's just, you know, but just be open it up to people. Don't lie. Just don't pretend you, you have more experience than you actually have. And just, just be honest. Then people will, you know, relate to you. They will like you. Right. Mm. So I think that that encouragement uh, gave me some some courage and, and, and I was able to just keep pushing myself up. And then after joining the Jake and Gino, actually, I, I got a lot of support. Um, not I, I, So I didn't really have to compare myself to others at the time. I was able to just, wow, okay, this group is really supportive. I think finally I, sh- I, I can do something here and meet partners and actually make it happen to my first deal. So uh, joining the group actually helped me a lot and in terms of crushing the limiting beliefs um, and the concerns that you just mentioned. Yes, I had that concern too. Um, But by joining mentorship group and surrounding myself with this highly motivated, like-minded people uh, actually helped me crush all that. Yeah, I feel like there's there there are two very important things that that came out to me, and that is is one is that there's so much power in transparency and vulnerability, and you know there there definitely are some times where people try and flex and think they uh, they know so much, and you know there someone was telling me that they're only fooling the people that aren't in the industry, and so then it can kind of go around and bite you in the butt. But then the other part that really stood out to me too is. Uh, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals, which is exactly why I'm talking to you, Yosef, because I'm trying to surround myself with people like you um, and, yes. and that, are, that are go-getters and supportive because you've been a huge help in my journey as well. Um, you know, in, in all the conversations that we've had and, you know, just finding that supportive group, it doesn't necessarily need to be like your immediate network, but there's so many people out there that are willing to help. And that's what I really love just about you know, this side of the industry is just because it seems like everyone's very giving to, to what's, um, to uh, like their, their value, their, their secret, not, not even secrets. Cause it's all, it's all out there, but it just seems like people are very helpful in this industry. Absolutely. Yes. You know? Yes. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Thank you for sharing now and, and getting vulnerable with me. I appreciate that. And I, I'm sure that the audience will also appreciate that as well, because, it's it's hard to funnel uh, some of the some of the fluff mm-hmm. from 
you know, some, maybe some programs, I, I don't know, but anyways, so you got that, you got that down. You are having this, uh, you see, you mentioned it was a hundred units. How many units for, for this next one? That's looking to close by the end of next year. Uh, well, next month, oh, oh, Jesus, next month. <laughs> Funny thing is, actually, I had this deal in the contract before the one that I closed last month. It just, it was just dragged by now. What? The first time I saw that deal was back in August. Mm. And I think we put that on the contract like September or if not August. So it's, it's almost being half a year that we've vetted the deal inspections and working out with the, the numbers, talking to the sellers with the occupancies and all that. So it's very dragging and our team's drained, but I think it's finally happening next month. Yeah. So that's 60 a unit. I'm rooting for you. I'm, I'm rooting for you on the, on the side. I hope I hope it closes as, as soon as possible. So that's awesome. Me too. So is, is that also in Kansas city as well? That's in uh, this, uh, in town called Wichita, Kansas. Oh, Wichita, oh, Kansas. Like, yeah. Okay. About two, three hours away from Kansas city. Okay. Sounds good. And so, you know, now I, I'm just curious as to, to like the main focus. So you have this 68 units is now are you only focused over in Kansas city or I mean the, the Kansas city metropolitan area, or um, what are you, what's the main focus that you're working on now? No, I think for the next couple of years, I think it will be Kansas city, Kansas um, city. because I have my boots underground partner there working really hard, amazing guy. And I have another team member um, from California helping out capital raising side, invest investor relationship side. So our team, I have really good teams. So Hunter and Joe, right? Just yeah, and Joe, so, oh, yeah. Great guys. Yeah. yeah. So um, this, this whole operation cannot be done without the Boots Underground partner. He, he is critical part of the team. So he's in Kansas City. Um, so until, I think, I believe until we accumulate um, maybe good number of units, like maybe 500, we will focus in Kansas City. And then maybe once, once we reach that level, I'll probably move to other markets because um, I'm also interested in other Southeast area, uh, Southeast state areas mm-hmm. like Florida, um, Georgia and Tennessee, that line. And um, I have other network, uh, other friends connections down there and Texas and here and there through Jake and Gino community and MH, MIH mastermind group. Mm-hmm. Everyone is like just, just so helpful and they're willing to become boots on the ground. So I, I, I guess it's a matter of, creating another group of partnership for another market for another market yes and just repeating that entire process that's repeating until you dominate the nation right (laughs) (laughs) world domination is exactly why we're in this industry forget generational wealth it's all world domination (laughs) right right well that's good to know that's good to know thanks for letting me know and now i we're we're about to go into this quick section it's uh i call it i like to call this creator's corner and so what we actually do is we start out with simple questions Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, uh, and then we get a little bit more complex, um, as we go down. So, I mean, first off, what is your favorite hobby slash sport? What is my hobby? I'm sorry. I, I missed oh, it. Yeah. Your favorite hobby slash sport. Mm. Okay. I'm not a big fan of sports. Um, it's all good. My, yeah. My hobby is I like, I love to planning. 
right? I love playing things, organize, organizing stuff, my thoughts. Um, so okay. I like to write down my plans for the next 10 years, you know, five years, three years, things like that. And my hobby, I love to go to karaoke. Karaoke? Yeah. Nice. Nice, I, nice. <laughs> I used to go like at least once a week, at least before pandemic. Oh, before. Uh, now, now I can't. But yeah, you know the the as as a Filipino man, I can understand because my my family loves karaoke as well. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Right, that's probably karaoke is probably the biggest thing, and I love to watch movies, the classic ones, old ones. Yeah. You know what? You you already knew my next question. Then is was what, what's what's actually your favorite movie? Really? Okay. Yeah. I have, I have so-called three life movies. Okay. <laughs> and so those are uh, the number one is um, what's the name? Oh, Sound of Music. Sound of Music. Yeah, and the second movie is uh, Cinema Paradiso. It's an Italian movie. And third one is uh, Life is Beautiful. Wow. I feel like these are all very like deep, dramatic movies, but also like life-changing movies where you just learn like, right, right. these lessons. It's, it's about uh, relationship, family, uh, you know, being apart, getting, getting back together, you know, joys and sadness and all that. It's in the movies. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right, next question. Uh, your favorite real estate book? Um, reach well. I don't know if I can call it a reach that port. Uh, reach that and or port business. Not a business. It's not technically a real estate book, but I will say that's probably Kiyosaki book was okay. was a, the the most important book for myself. That was Just a moment. Completely uh, changed my mindset upside down. Yeah. Um, real estate book. Um, I'll say Wilbur Prophets. Uh, books and honeybee is also good great book honeybee from uh, jake and gino mm -hmm. uh, it's about how uh, you can accumulate multiple uh, passive income sources it's like a par little parable short easy reading so that's a good book too um i love joe fellas syndication book too the yeah his, his book is really good right. yeah um and then now, so, so what, one thing I like to do is, I mean, this is the question I like to ask since I feel like there's so much to learn in, in the real estate industry. And I feel like we're always students, but what skill are you currently trying to improve on? Um, underwriting. Underwriting. Yeah. I, <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I've been learning and I love, and I think I'll try to do more and harder to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. And then another skill set that I'm trying to hone on is uh, capital raising. Capital raising. Yeah, how to talk to uh, potential investors and how to influence them and how to convey my ideas in a clear way, things like that. Cool. Now your biggest, uh, biggest role model? My role models and Jake and Gino. And Jake and Gino. <laughs> Marco. Marco was my guy and Chris Jackson. So Marco was... It's a phenomenal guy. He's a, he's a great capital raiser and influencer. Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect that I want to learn from him. And I have Chris Jackson as my mentor and deal coach. He's a great operator, syndicator. That's that aspect that I, I'm trying to learn. And from Jake and Gino, I, I see the overall structure of how you can not only um, 
generate passive income from multifamily, but create another relevant business to create uh, other income income sources like ca- uh, brokerage, right? Rent capital, they mm-hmm. brokerage there and they have educational platform, right? And they, they also have property management company, all related to multifamily, but it's like, it's like just building an empire. So that structure is really fascinating. Hey, those are, those are all great guys. Those are all, yeah. those are great guys, great role models. It makes sense. It makes sense. So um, what is one thing that you're doing now that's outside of your comfort zone? Being on a podcast. <laughs> you know what? I think you're doing, doing pretty good. I think this is, this is a great podcast. This, this was a big step for me. Um, well, so I, like I said, this is my fourth one. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last two were done like within a week or two. So probably for the next couple of months, I'll constantly be on the podcast, um, you know, trying to add value, but at the same time, trying to practice my public sk- speaking skills and try to get rid of bad heavies like, um, and, ah. <laughs> these are the things that I'm working on now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. And then finally, last question uh, before we wrap this up, what advice would you give to yourself if you had to do it all over again? Um, you know, just fall in love with the process. That's one advice I want to give. Uh, you got, you got to just embrace and enjoy the process because it's a long process game. I, I, I think I feel, I feel lucky about being able to close my first deal within a year. Although I had that goal, I didn't really know it's, it's, it was going to really happen. It didn't really happen, but I had, I don't know, it's funny. I knew it was going to happen, but at the same time, I was really surprised when it really happened. <laughs> so it's kind of mixed feeling, but unless you fall in love with the process, you're not going to be able to, you're going you're gonna to want to quit because this is, again, this, this is partnership game. You can't really do your. You can't really do it your own. You gotta acquire a lot of knowledge and skill sets, and then connections, massive action taking, networking, education, right? All these things are at one point will come to you as as a dots being connected. But time to time, I feel like I'm just walking in a tunnel without any lights, and we don't know when it's gonna end. So that's the process that you have to enjoy, not the result that you're going to fall in love, but the process that you have to fall in love. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's my advice to myself. If I have to go back. Yeah. And I, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's great advice. I wish I can uh, put that in a, in a Facebook post and then, you know, if it's spam that and put or not spam that, but put that out there just because, you know, that's, that's beautiful, you know, falling in love with the process. And I, I will have to say, I apologize. Cause I actually just lied to you. Cause I have one more question actually. No, 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 um, no and I think this is a nice question to, to, to wrap everything up though. Uh, but years from now, how do you want your family and friends to remember you by? Um, influence. Influence. Yes. In, in, a, in a good way. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Looks, not bad influence. Right, right, right. <laughs> I not figured bad that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want them to when they look back. Oh, yeah, that guy was nice. Yeah, he really helped me out with that. Hmm. Oh yeah, he he kind of added value to me. I I would 
I wish him the best. Like they don't really have to help me, but that wish, I I think it will be like a prayer for me, right?、Mm. Yeah. So yeah,、mm. I just if I look back, if I could tell myself, ah,、oh, you you influenced a lot of people and helped them out, and you added value to their lives, and you changed in a weird in 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 one way their lives, and they became better people. And I think I'll be happy.、Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I love that, and I think that's a great way to to wrap all this up. Now, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they reach you? So,、um, my Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can type in Yosef Yosef with an F. With an F, like Y O S E F, your Y O U R Brosef, B R O S E F.、Um, this is the nickname I was given by Chris Jackson and Marco,、um, <laughs> and I started using it a lot. People started calling me Brosef, so I just use it. So you can find me that way.、Um, I have a website, syndicro.com, www.syndro.com.、Um, yeah, these are probably easiest way to、uh, just get hold of me. And I will put that in the show notes. Thanks everyone for tuning in to today's show. Reach out, reach out to Yosef Yerbrosif. Make sure to tune in next Wednesday. He's coming back for the action items episode to hear his perspective and dive into it a little bit more about、uh, what you know I can do if I'm starting out into this、uh, multifamily real estate journey. Whether I have zero money, little money. Or I have a lot of capital sitting over there in my closet,、um, you know. Just just talking about actionable steps that we can start taking and, and to to get started. So thanks, y'all. I will see you next week. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes. Leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.